Welcome to this episode of In My Truth. My guest today is a friend of mine, Eric Chan, who I met on my first Project Gen Z or Project Gen Z for my Northern Hemisphere, North American listeners, uh, to Cambodia in 2017. Um, Eric is a great friend a really conscious soul, deeply curious, asks a lot of questions of himself and brings incredible awareness to his process, his process as a human, (laughs) the process we all have. Today in our conversation, what came up was the subject of apathy. And when we find ourselves in a situation where we don't feel particularly hopeless or hopeful. We just kind of feel nothing. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and it took me a little while to dig into where and when I've felt that in my life, but I certainly have. So yeah, dive in, enjoy it. would love to hear what you think as always and appreciate you being here. Hey, Eric, how you doing? Hey, Sarah, how are you? Good, thank you. It's been been, been such a long time, right? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Um, For our listeners, Eric and I met in Cambodia. That was the first time we met, wasn't it? It was the first time we met. And what an experience to to meet someone and to to, um, share that sort of moment with for the first time meeting her. That's pretty crazy. No, Cambodia with Project Gen Z in 2017, October. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's right now it's November, 2020. And I was really sad that when October rolled around this year and Project Gen Z has been going to Cambodia for five years now, and I've either been on the trip or I've been on the board of the organization since day one. So it was really sad that we weren't there this year. Um, But yeah, that was an amazing trip, amazing experience with you. And it was great to meet you. And we've obviously stayed in touch um, through email and phone calls and Instagram and all the usual ways ever since. That's right. That's right. Um, I've been watching your journey intently, especially with this (laughs) In My Truth podcast, which has been um, not only amazing because of what you're doing, but amazing for me personally and helped me through um, some tough times, uh, especially back in 2018 to 19. So I really appreciate Mm -hmm. and I feel very honored and privileged to be speaking to you on this platform. Oh, well, it's so great to have you on. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting journey because 2017, when I met you, I feel like I was I was in a pretty good place or I thought I was, you know, the, the things that I was to, that were to come, I was numb from at that point in time. And then, mm. you know, ultimately went through my dark night of the soul or delved into my underworld or whatever we want to call it, you know, throughout 2018, 19 as well. Um, Mm. And then launched the podcast really as part of my healing journey last year. But it's great to have you on the show. And one of the reasons why you're on the show is because you reached out to me and, and kind of more recently and said, thanks for the show and how much it had helped you and everything. So yeah, it's great to have you. I would love to hear a little bit about where you're at and I don't know what might be difficult for you right now or what's, what's amazing or what is true for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, uh, I've been, we met each other in 2017 and I've been following your work. Obviously we've been messaging each other, but one of the things that really struck me about listening to you, your interviews 
in this podcast, which separated um, itself from other podcasts that I normally listen to, is that um, depth of vulnerability. And not only the depth of vulnerability, but um, its expression through the different types of people, right? And we've come to understand that uh, within the um, principles of, you know, the masculine and feminine and all these things that we explore in trying to understand ourselves, there are different journeys that express those in different ways. And I think one of the things that came to my mind was, you know, right now I'm going through this really big struggle in my mind of imposter syndrome, but from this um, perspective of someone trying to become more of a conscious individual, a more conscious masculine, uh, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, not wanting to uh, let go or um, diminish the lessons of my stoic traditional masculine that has taught me so much and given me so much. And I've always been interested, you know, as I was thinking about reaching out to you, like, I wonder what Sarah's thoughts are, because you have shown that many a time. And I think we all showed that collectively when we're in Cambodia through some of the hardest stories and meeting some of the um, the children and the experiences they shared, there was a level of resilience that we had to grab onto born from a probably a stoic mindset. And I struggle sometimes to, um, to transverse that line between what is useful that might be toxic to me that I'm unaware of versus, mm. you know, that, that, Hey, hang on. I've, I've actually built this resilience through hard work, my adversity, the challenges that come from me. And it's a lesson worth teaching my daughter. And I'm not sure. And, and these thoughts start swirling around. And I thought to myself, uh, wow, Sarah's name came into my head, popped into my awareness and I reached out, let the universe flow. Mm, I love it. That's such a beautiful reflection. And I think, you know, I can very much relate to going through that and and continuing to go through that on my journey. Um, For me, you know, one of the big drivers in my life was to sort of, to be resilient, um, to be grateful for what I had, but to be very motivated. And the motivation for me came from a need to prove myself, but it took me very far in life, you know, (laughs) and it was hard Mm. for me to, there was a point in time where it was really hard for me to let go of that because I was afraid of stepping into a new reality where I wasn't driven by, driven by this need to prove because the need to prove had, you know, essentially taken me a long way. The need to prove that I was a good person, that I was doing good in the world, that I was enough, that I was worthy, that I could be a good leader. Like it it was kind of showing up and it was manifesting in lots of positive ways. Um, But of Mm. course it also manifested in negative ways and, I was, who was I talking to the other day? I feel like, oh no, it wasn't a podcast. It was an interview, but I, I kind of got some words around, this was literally two days ago. I got some words and language around where I feel I've come to. And I do still sometimes have the energy of wanting to prove, like if I'm raising capital right now, right? And if an investor says no, mm. I think huh, they're going to be sorry. Like I'm going to like use that as a little bit of fire to <laughs> build that billion dollar company yep. and be like, they missed out, you know. Yep. And, you know, I, there is still that element in me. However, 
I've tried to, tr- I'm trying to, and have tried to transition like the need to prove with the need to explore what's possible. Um, so kind of the same thing, like getting the same outcome, but coming from a more healed, um, expansive place than the kind of wounded place that was like driving me, but did have things that were holding me back. So I completely understand. I also was just listening to um, the Brene Brown, new Brene Brown podcast. I think it's called Dare to Lead. And this is unlike me to be dropping all these different podcasts and things because I don't usually remember them, but it was with Abby Wombok. And she said, she's written a book and she said, um, it's it's like the old ways to lead and the new ways or the old rules of leadership and the new rules. And Mm. she said the old rule was to be grateful for what we have and the new rule is to be grateful for what we have and still demand what we deserve. Um, So it was kind of like to be grateful but to still be motivated. Um, Because I think sometimes we can also be in that space of just gratitude. It's kind of that... um, well, even though everything sucks, I'll just be grateful for what I am and I'll be Zen and I'll be kind of like really just accepting, but we actually have power still to shift things, to step into new ways of being, to do more, to be more. And we can be grateful for what we have. We don't have to be grateful for what we have and surrender the possibility of anything else. I think what you shared right there is such an important point because I've always found it difficult to marry up Um, when anyone takes anything too far down one end of the spectrum, right? And Mm -hmm. I have made some observations, and obviously this is just my experience, but I made some observation that people who try to remain grateful, zen and positive like all the time, regardless of what the context is, they seem to fall the hardest when Mm -hmm. when moments um, come up. And I felt like that's a bit of a yo-yo or roller coaster um, way to deal with um, the challenges that the universe brings to us. So I've always questioned the viability of that. But when you shared what um, Brene Brown is talking about, where, okay, let's grab what is great from both ends to remember the positives of, you know, that strong, that strength, that resilience, that defiance, right? Versus mm-hmm. that balance and calm and that release and the feeling of connectedness together, they'll create something beautiful. You know, our friend, who is a um, a philosopher, he shared with me something quite interesting. He was like, um, in this new world uh, or in the previous world, like you're saying, people thought about subjective and objective, right? Objective are the things that are in the world that we all experience, the context, and subjective is our relationship to it and our perception of it. Mm -hmm. And he said that maybe it's time to um, move our language and thinking away from the um, binary conversation of subjective and objective and always look for the transjective. What is the combination and what is the thing that um, comes to birth when you combine these two things together from a place of observation, um, release from acceptance, from openness, what does that create for us? And I thought that that was quite a beautiful concept to tackle uh, thinking Mm. about these things, right? Because like... I've, like I said, I follow your journey for a long time and you inspired me a lot. And one of the things that came to fruition through my work, which I definitely, um, you know, 
praise you for because I actually put you in one of my presentations. Remember me that time I took a photo of um, one of the major presentations I did and I put your podcast up because I remember yeah. so distinctly <laughs> the podcast I was listening to with one um, a, a lady that you were interviewing and I became a CEO of a company and our team has grown to past 20 and I've never had that experience before, right? Mm-hmm. And these feelings of imposter syndrome, though I've recognized in the past being a speaker, which is, you know, one of the environments where imposter syndrome comes up, but I was always okay with that. It was this new imposter syndrome that gave birth to a level of apathy, not fear, not, not pain, but mm. apathy where I, where I was thinking to myself, well, okay, I've achieved what I've always dreamed of, like, you know, becoming a leader in a great company, working with great people. But then I, felt, then I thought to myself, wow, it seems like my identity is so tied up in this that mm. there was nothing left of anything else. Yes, of course, family. You know, family is my foundation. I don't even put it into the realm of that discussion anymore. I'm rooted so far and I'm, you know, uh, nine years in the game of, of being a dad. So I have some experience there. But the other aspects of me got so lost in this facade but, what, but, but it is rooted in reality, right? Because I, I do lead a company. Mm-hmm. I do have responsibility. The pandemic, you know, people's livelihoods um, do depend on the decisions that me and my team make, my leadership team make. And that sense of apathy was something that really screwed with my head. And I wanted to know your thoughts if you've ever experienced that because I've always heard the, you know, fear and wound and ego. But what happens mm-hmm. when you feel nothing? <laughs> mm-hmm. That was what scared me the most. Wow. That's interesting. You know, what I can relate to, and it's a little bit, I don't know if it's the same, but what what comes up for me is after my dad died, um, which was 2013, I went through this like four-year period of feeling no emotions really toward other people. Mm. Um so, or like very, like it was very muted. Um, so as a leader, like I'm thinking about in my business and as a leader, you know, let's say I was coaching a team member or helping someone through a struggle they were having and maybe they would break down and they would have tears and stuff. I would literally, I could feel how disconnected I was from the emotions mm. they were experiencing. And I yep. was just like, I would just be looking at them like waiting for them to finish, you know, which is very unlike me. I'm a super emotional, empathetic, connected person, always have been my whole life. Um, But I was pushing down the pain so much that I went through this period of just not, not caring about other people's experience, not being able to tap into it. I don't know if that's apathy or what. It just came up for me when you mentioned it, but I felt like, well, I've been through the worst and a lot of my life prior to my dad dying was plagued by a fear of, of death and of, of losing people close to me to death or of my own death. Um, and I'm not going to for a second say I've completely resolved that fear, but I'm, you know, a lot further down the path, down the path, sorry, um, due to my spiritual practices and my work with plant medicine and other psychedelics um, has absolutely you know, really helped me to overcome that. But facing my greatest fear was almost 
it was like, well, I don't know, like this sense of, I know that I know what was happening was I was pushing down my pain, but the feeling that I had at the time when I didn't realize I was pushing down my pain was this sense of like, well, that's the worst that could happen. And like, I've been so afraid of this. And so kind of like when we have these deep anxieties, they do drive quite a bit of our lives and quite a bit of our behaviors. And all of a sudden it's like, I don't have that driver anymore because Mm. it's just happened. And I can't feel for people the way I used to feel. And part of what I used to feel was driven by this need to connect and this need to grab and grasp and not want anything to happen to them. And that was like, that like disappeared for a while. Anyway, it all came crumbling down and and cracked and I cracked open and I felt all the things I needed to feel. But that's, um, you know, the only time, that's the time that I can really remember feeling nothing. And I don't know that it's quite the same as what you're experiencing, but um, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, as you were sharing what came up for me, and I guess it's the point of having conversations, right? <laughs> um, what came up for me is as I was hearing you describe um, your feelings after your dad died and your lack of connection and the need to grab, the thought also came to me, am I making a mistake in trying to push this feeling of apathy or um, put into a box this apathetic feeling, this stage of my life into some sort of negative connotation? Um, Because uh, I don't know whether this is true, but I imagine that... um, going through what you went through, cracking open and breaking down and then um, becoming what you are now was just more the long-term journey for the universe to express itself into something greater within you. Mm -hmm. And I find myself fighting that sometimes, almost like I'm putting a sieve to stop the universe from flowing correctly by making a judgment on these feelings. Mm. I think that's fair. I think, I mean, I really love and admire your self-awareness and your curiosity. Like that's something that I live by and I love these kind of conversations, hence why I have um, this podcast. But I'm curious about, is is the apathy driven by, is there a disconnect like if things don't go well, for example, and and I don't know when the apathy came. Was it just in in landing that position or was it in going through the challenge of this year or when did the apathy come exactly? Uh, it didn't it didn't come when I uh, landed it because I had that um, as all people do, almost like a honeymoon phase where everything is an explosion mm-hmm. of joy, right? Like I'm doing this new mm-hmm. thing, meeting new people, going to smash it, going to plan it. And um, during the middle of the pandemic, we experienced growth because we're in the digital space. So we didn't have to get, um, you know, in Australia, JobKeeper, which is the money mm-hmm. from the government to keep the people. And we didn't have to do any of that. Uh, I think the apathy came more when... Um, I was so involved in my work, so involved with my family, and then obviously with pandemic completely isolated from anything else that when I took a step back and looked myself in the mirror and go, okay, what are you, right? Yeah, because one of the things that mm. um, 
started all of this was like, you know how I said, I went through a really tough time and got exposed to your podcast back in 2018 to 2019. It was actually sparked by Are You Okay Day? And I looked myself in the mirror and I asked myself for the first time, I truly looked myself in the eye and asked myself that question. And the answer that came up was no for the first time ever. And I've always been the type of person who has never felt any form of depression, just my disposition. But maybe as I'm growing older and playing a bigger game, my life changes, right? Um, Mm -hmm. so, So I repeat that practice now. And I asked that question, I was fine. But then it was like, oh, I'm fine, but... Then I said, but what? And then all that was reflected back into me was, okay, my work, my family, but there was nothing else. Who am I? Where is my passion? Where is my mm. love? Where is the thing that I I celebrate and that I dive so deeply into that it feels like an expression of my soul? And, and I was like, oh, I used to have that in speaking, but I don't do that much of that anymore because of you know the new role. And it was active. I wanted to move and experience this new thing. I'll always have my speaking ability, but... Back then, you know, you know my story. I used to take a milk crate out into the um, CBD and challenge myself, and you know, teach people and do that sort of stuff. And that was parked into the past. Went to Cambodia, and that was an explosion with you and with all the lovely people we met. And that felt like passion. But then that was parked in the past. Who am I now? And all I can label myself are these roles, these expectations and responsibilities that I willingly accept and have given me um, so much, but what else is there? And I pose this question because I think that a lot of men ask this particular question because Mm -hmm. of the expectations of um, family, of society. And I know that a lot transition into like the conscious community and work on themselves and do the deep work and they get to this place of love and universal expression. Um, But I still think that fundamentally all human beings require um, some sort of purpose, but that purpose sometimes is expressed professionally, uh, which Mm -hmm. usually is the first step. But beyond that purpose, that bridge between that great altruistic dream where you're giving to the world and you feel so great about it and people will write stories about you and bards will sing songs about you, but that gap in between, that first step, I reckon so many people who are like me, whether they come from, um, you know, strict families because of the Chinese culture or um, raised in traditional Catholicism like I was, you know, going to all-boys school, bridging that gap between um, that traditional masculine and into the um, deeper feminine and that finding that balance, that transjective that I was talking about. I think that this is the existential thing that I'm trying to grapple with right now and it's hitting mm. me in the face like completely smacking me in the face because my identity is nothing but ceo of earth alliance and dad and husband and i can't get anything else out of my brain <laughs> and it's and it's scary you know it, it scares me a lot oh thank you for that detailed explanation i very much understand what you're referring to now. And I went through two months of this year. So when COVID first happened, I like deep dove into my spirituality and my inner work and my inner world, a a place I was familiar with concepts, knowing feelings that I was like actively working on for several years, as you know, but I really dove in. And then I really started diving into everything that was happening in the world and all the things that didn't feel quite right to me. And I don't know what it was, but I hit a point in my spiritual practice and you use the word existential because I've, I feel like I've always had like this existential crisis that shows up 
Mm. here and there. Like, what does this all mean? And then I hit this point where, and a lot of that had been um, quite negative and like fear driven in a way. And then this year I hit this point where I'm like, well, it's not, I'm not afraid anymore. Like maybe I got to a point where I was like, okay, I am just the universe experiencing itself or God experiencing itself or some manifestation of this experience just to be, which was kind of beautiful and relieving. But at the same time, I was like, so what, it means nothing. Like nothing means anything. Even if I'm deeply passionate, it means nothing. (laughs) Even if I change Mm -hmm. the world, for what? Like it doesn't even matter. And I did, I felt really apathetic toward a lot of things. And I went off Instagram for a few months because I was just like, I wasn't like mad at Instagram. I wasn't like, I need a social media ban. It's such bullshit. I was just literally like, it's, I don't even, it's nothing. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Mm. And so I did have that actually. Yeah. I really was like, there was two months and I didn't quite get depressed either. It wasn't like a down feeling. It was just like a sitting with the meaninglessness of it all. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow I kind of figured my way through that and I reconnected and I was like, well, I think ultimately I, I guess I came to a place of like, well, I am here ex- having this experience. That's all I really know. At any moment in time, all I know is I'm I'm having an experience. So I might as well make it a good one. <laughs> I might as well be engaged in it. <laughs> I might as well enjoy it if in the ways that I can or, you know, by enjoy, it probably be engaged with it is more the the right term because I think being human there is so much to this experience. It's so the richness of it, mm. yeah, the highs, the lows, all of the range of emotions and feelings and expressions. So I kind of came to this point where it felt like, well, I might as well just have all of those feelings and emotions and be engaged with the ups and downs and the highs and lows and the roundabout of this existence than that apathetic state that I did find myself in for a couple of months that was quite strange and I'd actually forgotten about it until you mention it. Did it ever um, cross your mind during that apathetic state to not necessarily <clears throat> pack it all in, but to allow yourself to succumb to um, those thoughts and rationalization about how all of it is just freaking meaningless. Like who gives a fuck, right? Like I'm a spec um, this contribution every time like I build, what's the point of me accumulating this money and making a change? It doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Did you ever have that thought? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had that before a lot. As I said, I've faced this existential crisis a lot of my life um, and it's been quite charged mm. with those kinds of feelings. And then this particular year, mostly I just felt, like a bit for this period, it was only a couple of months. I just felt, um, yeah, I didn't feel like, and I still was engaged in my work, but I was just kind of quietly going about it. I was like, I don't really know. Yeah. I was just finding my way with it. And I, I didn't feel particularly hopeless in a depressed way, but I did feel just like the meaningless, meaningless, of it all did weigh on me. Um, and I had to work my way through that, but I don't think I would say at that point that I felt negative and, and down and pack it all in. 
Um, I did want to pack some things in and I definitely had moments where I was like, why do I try to do all these things? Like, you know, between Joe, my now husband (laughs) and I, like we could probably (laughs) just not work ever again if we structured our life from a financial perspective, if we structured our life and our finance appropriately, um, you know, arguably we could, uh, whether we could do that in the US or move somewhere else or whatever, but we could potentially just set up a cushy life for ourselves. And I definitely, I think I played with that idea a lot. And I think that's common for many of us, especially once we do achieve a, a level of success and financial freedom, it's all, it's all of a sudden like, well, what, what was it all for? Like, I think we mm. spend so much of our life striving that when you get the thing, you're like, oh, I'm so accustomed to striving. Mm. Now what? Um, and it rings true about how after you strive for something, that thing um, at the beginning seemed like, oh, that's the holy grail when I get that. Um, it'll be the best. But when you get there, you've already forgotten about it and you move on to the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you either forget about it and you move on to the next thing or what's worse, I think might be sort of what you're going through is that I got it and what nothing happened. <laughs> like nothing yeah. really happened. I'm still me. I'm still the exact same person staring at myself in the mirror saying, are you okay? Mm. From one day to the next, still looking at the same mirror, you know? <laughs> Hmm. What, what was it that, um, brought you into a better space? Um, of course, you know, there was all that amazing work, but was it the, um, willingness to reach out and connect with people, like open yourself up again as the first step then to be open to other experiences or was it something else? I think I let it run its course a little bit, which I've also learned to do, um, to, to know and understand that everything doesn't last forever. Everything comes in cycles and waves. Then just to trust that that was where I was at and be curious with that. Like I've learned to be curious with, I call my, my day, if I have a down day, you know, what I used to would have called depression. I would just call like I'm in my underworld or whatever, even though it can be incredibly painful and difficult and challenging. I've learned to just be like, well, I'm not going to be in here forever. I'm just here today. Just like I'm not going to be riding the highs forever. I'm just going to be riding them today. And sometimes those waves are momentary. They happen for 10 minutes or an hour or a day. Other times they last for a few months or a year, um, but they're not going to be forever. And so I think I just did surrender to a degree to just ride it out. and, And I think that practice of curiosity and continuing. And I'm so grateful because my, my husband is so, um, conscious and aware and we just love to sit and talk about this stuff. Like what is the meaning of everything? And, and you know, how is it all? And I do remember at one point during that time, he was like, do you want to stop talking about this? It seems like it's kind of sending you down a bit of a hole. And I was like, no, I don't really want to stop talking about it because it is confronting me. I think I, I think I did go to a deeper level with it in terms of my mind opening and my understanding of some of mm. these concepts. And cause he's an incredibly deep thinker, um, and incredibly curious and all of those things. So, you know, you can imagine just being around that 24 seven, particularly the way that we live our lives now working remotely, working from home, Um, you know, it was pretty much the conversation topic almost all of the time. So it was very all encompassing. And I think 
But I think as, as much as I went into that, then there was also, you know, I just kept working my way out of it through conversation and connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny um, that uh, you shared that regarding being in that particular space of conversation, you know, that conscious conversation, that deep thinking mm. about the meaning of life and also um, almost like the reasoning behind why we do what we do and why we feel what we feel. And one of the things that I've always lent on, um, and now that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, do I lean on it because um, I try to make connection the last thing <laughs> that I do, yet connection is something that I crave, right? But is it because mm. I fear it? That put, so that, that was a crazy light bulb moment. Um, but <laughs> the thing that I normally um, lean on is adversity, physical adversity. Yeah. And, and I found a lot of um, benefit from doing that. Um, I'm the sort of person that explores the idea of if I get close to the line of um, trauma, like control trauma, right? Like I don't mean emotional trauma. I just mean physical lines. Always skirt mm-hmm. that edge willingly. What would that give me? And, you know, at the beginning of the year when the whole pandemic happened and there was so much uncertainty in the world, um, I retreated to this particular practice and I did the um, 75 hard challenge from uh, Andy Frisella. So it was 75 days straight, workout two times a day, you know, um, a gallon of water, 10 pages of a book, progress photo, um, strict diet, no alcohol, that type of stuff, right? Did that for 75 days straight. If you fail once, you go back to day one type of thing. And I kept pushing myself and I kept pushing myself and I had these amazing breakthroughs, these amazing breakthroughs where new bits of insight came into my mind from something as simple as, um, oh, it started to rain. I was planning to go for the run outdoors because one of the workouts need to be outdoors. Now you can do it under like a, a, a carport and just exercise there. But I thought, hmm, normally I would just say, oh, it's raining. It's fine. But this time I was like, you know what? I'm going to go run in the rain. And it was the freest that I've ever felt because it broke down a boundary of where my unconscious was like, nope, that's something that you can't do. And I ran through the rain. And as the water was hitting, the water was hitting my face, the rain was hitting my face. I'm like, how much shit do I put in my life into that box of no, it's a given that it can't be done. Right. So that was Mm -hmm. a beautiful experience. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people share that, you know, you know, go hard, go get it, smash it every day. I got to the point where uh, a a really amazing insight that my friend shared with me and then um, was also evolved from him advising me to journal every day was I started collecting all these insights. And every time you get an insight, you're like, yeah, that's amazing. But I had this experience, which probably led to all of this, is these insights started packing and I got all these massive insights. And then these insights formed into a beast of their own because it revealed the lack of understanding I had about myself, which mm-hmm. pushed me down into like maybe a, a, a different part of the underworld. Like it opened the door where I was like, oh, what's this part of the room? And then like, holy fuck, there's like a massive dragon in here, right? <laughs> because, because of these things. And what you were sharing about having the conversations, connecting, allowing it to run its course, to sit back and perhaps, um, uh, lack of a better word, meditate on what it is and not assign anything in, in, into it. What I even call perhaps like, you know, the more feminine approach in terms of energetically, right? I mean, feminine energy. Yeah, just let it flow through you. Yeah. yeah. What, what I got from it was 
these insights came from doing the hard masculine adversity. But then when I engaged in the feminine, the writing, the thinking, the meditating, the relaxing, the connecting, it was like these dots started forming lines and these lines formed the picture and it gave me understanding. Mm. It gave me some understanding. It allowed you to alchemize those insights. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to describe it. It allowed me to alchemize those insights. And I think perhaps, you know, um, in this moment right now, as I'm talking to you, my journey is like what what was alchemized was okay, now that I've sort of understood it, but I don't see the goal in front of me. And mm. perhaps this conversation alone, whoever ends up listening to it, is just a reminder that maybe there is a gap between acceptance, time in the cocoon, maybe it's the time in the egg, maybe the apathy is a part of that journey. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very relevant um, and accurate. And, and I think it's those masculine drivers in us that always want to skip to the answers, to understanding it all, to have the purpose and the driver and the goal. And, you know, as you've mentioned, you've lived a lot of your life in that space. I think many of us had have, whether we're men mm. or women, that's really the world we were raised in. Mm. And so it can be so uncomfortable to sit in the in-between where we don't really know what we're working toward and what we're what's going to come next for us. And there's that masculine side of us that will drive toward finding our passion and our purpose and we'll do all the exercises and read all the books and, you know, do everything like doing in order to try to get that certainty back of like, uh, now I know why I exist and what I'm doing. And then there's the feminine approach, which I think you mentioned, which is more just like meditate, contemplate, journal, sit with it, allow it to be and trust that at some point, you know, when we open our channels enough and we trust the universe and the direction that we are moving in and taking and we surrender, we will reconnect with that. And I think our purpose and passions and goals shifts throughout life. Um, And maybe for many of us, you know, we could be driven from a young age towards something and the first time that we really get there and realize we've gotten there. It's like, oh, what's next? But life is long, you know, and there's probably going to be many evolutions of this, you know, intense fury towards something energetically and then a completion and a bit of a stillness Mm. and a discomfort and then we re-engage with something like maybe those are just the natural cycles of things. Hmm. I'd be I'd be interested to hear um, from anyone who has some deep understanding about that cocoon phase, maybe that pre-phoenix phase, right, mm-hmm. where where you're sitting in that, because uh, I think that there is a, a lot to explore there. Because um, I imagine that if it's represented, say, in my experience, where I'm feeling apathy, and the apathy has a, a level of emptiness, um, logic for me dictates that perhaps that emptiness is also a blank slate that can be, um, have a lot of really good imprint, you know, like a really good incubation process. Mm-hmm. So it, it'd be interesting to explore that. And, and I wonder if there is any 
conversation, perhaps your husband <laughs> would have some deep thoughts about that because uh, I haven't explored. I've always, um, you know, heard about the battle in the belly of the beast in the underworld. I've heard about the rise, the return. Um, but what is it during that phase? What What is the um, warrior thinking when they're walking um, home from the battle in the underworld? Mm. <laughs> you know, what is that experience there? What is the What are some of the um, rationalizations or thinking or presence that um, that person is cultivating that helps them make sense of the battle that they just experienced so that when they get to their, um, when they return home and they're talking to their friends and family and they want to express um, what they experience and what they've become, why is it that they choose the words and the language that they do in order to express mm. it? Why are those the anchoring points? And I feel like um, just like with the new experience of journaling, because I've never done it before in my life, it's like I have all these thoughts about different things, even just about my day. But the moment I choose to put pen to paper, it's like I'm cementing that, you know what, that is probably the one that's most meaningful to me. Just like if I expressed it through speech. And oh, what is that process of, and why? Yeah. yeah, the power of journaling and reflection is just so incredible. A girlfriend asked me two weeks ago, she was doing an exercise um, for her EO forum on relationship and connection. And she sent me three questions that she wanted me to answer. And, you know, instantly I had some answers and I thought I could just fire something back. And I was like, no, she's doing deep inner work. I want to give that the respect and reverence it deserves. So I'm going to take my time and think about this. And the three questions were, you know, what, what can I do to support you as a friend? What should I never do as a friend of yours? Um, and what can I do better? So it really, you know, got me thinking after my initial knee jerk, impulsive, what I wanted to say, which was something to do with, I don't have expectations. I love everyone compassionately and unconditionally. You be you and I'll be me and <laughs> all of these kinds of things, which is sort of surface level how I do exist. But I decided to give it time. And as I gave it time and thought about it and observed for myself over the last two weeks with different situations, different people, I was able to understand like, whilst it is true that I don't expect people to be anything other than who they are, there are things that create safety, trust and security for me. And when they exist in a dynamic, I will lean into that dynamic. And when they don't exist, I'll lean away from it. It's not a matter of mm. right or wrong, or I don't, I don't like you anymore or anything like that. It's just like, what's going to foster good connection for me. But I, I was just reflecting on it. Cause I literally this morning wrote, wrote the answers back to her after two weeks of thinking. And even the process of after thinking and thinking and contemplating for two weeks and observing the process of sitting and writing the answers and having to articulate all of these different pieces of the puzzle that I'd been musing over for a few weeks was incredibly powerful. Um, and it just struck mm. me the power of a question, the power of sitting with it and the power of putting pen to paper. Mm. Yeah. And you, you took two weeks to really get to that point where you're like, I want to put pen to paper. Yeah. So I can only imagine how that um, runs in parallel with um, life and our experiences and mentally imprinting what becomes our new reality, right? Totally. And I mean, two weeks for me is a long time because I'm like a very impulsive, fast mover, fast processor. <laughs> but it also gave me the experience to see like the downside of being someone who processes quickly is, 
you know, like sometimes I'm processing correctly or I'm, I'm pulling together like mm. very quickly making assumptions and wanting to move forward, but I'm not seeing the whole piece of the puzzle. Um, and there's, there's gold if I can learn from people who take longer to process, who like to sit with things and having been in close relationships with people like that in the past and having to understand and learn that that's their way of being and have more space for that. You know, there's actually been a lot of gifts in that because now I see, well, when we do take a little more time, you know, we can discover more deeply how we feel another layer of the onion. Mm. I thought of one other thing, um, that around the cocoon phase that I think is so perfect for what you're talking about. And it's when the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, he doesn't wrap himself up or herself (laughs) and start growing wings and just like stay a little caterpillar and grow the wings and wait until the wings are strong and then he breaks out or she breaks out and flies away it actually dissolves into liquid nothing and then reforms. Mm. And I didn't know that. I don't know who does and who doesn't know that. Maybe I didn't pay enough attention in biology. But when I look at this for an analogy of this phase of our lives that you're talking about where we reach the end of one cycle, our achievement of being all we can be as a caterpillar, and we go and cocoon so that we can re-emerge as our next cycle, which is a butterfly. We don't go in there and get busy building our wings. We actually go in there and completely dissolve and let go of who we are. And then it starts to rebuild and then we re-emerge. And that is a killer, <laughs> killer analogy. <laughs> that is a killer one. It's pretty good. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, that it is makes so a perfect. lot of sense, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, because that that key aspect of the dissolving, um, the receding to a nothingness, almost to a singularness, right? A singularness, mm-hmm. and and maybe in that frame of reference, that is not necessarily apathy that I feel is that maybe the purest connection to the universe that you possibly can be and it's merely the um, influence perhaps unconsciously of like my ego and fears that slap that label and um, like I said put a sieve on what the universe truly wanted to express within me right Mm. and and that letting go of that and seeing that picture and anchoring myself to the picture of that dissolved into a singleness is actually a milestone for me to accept and be like, Hey, that next part, the butterfly part is going to come because I've thought about it. I'm like, actually, no, I'm not in a fucking dark place right now. I'm actually in one of the best places that anyone can be. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I think about it, my life is like that. One of the things Sarah that came from the journaling was that I realized that the universe has always looked after me. Maybe I had good karma. Maybe it's just um, I allowed it to express itself uh, a lot naturally. But even the bad things that happened or the things that I thought were bad at the time resulted in something completely amazing, completely amazing in my life. And that's continued to happen. And there is no evidence to suggest anything beyond that yet. Um, You know, I just needed to go through that 
fear of, hey, I need to build that cocoon now, just like a, a caterpillar. It's like, oh, I, I feel I feel compelled. I imagine that a caterpillar would be like, I feel compelled to build this thing, but I'm not sure why I'm building it, but I just naturally <laughs> feel compelled to build it. And I'm even going to crawl into this space and be completely claustrophobic in it for no real understanding of why, but yet I feel compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Can we surrender into mm. the nothingness and trust that we will be reborn when yeah. we're ready? That's right. That's right. Mm. That's beautiful. I think that's an amazing way to wrap up the conversation. Thank you so much no. for joining me today. It was so thank nice you, to Sam. talk with you and thank you for all your vulnerability. No, thank you so much. Um, it was a great conversation. Um, it's one that um, we all need to have more of. And um, I really appreciate the space and the environment you created and allowed me to um, share this with you. Mm, I think people will get so much out of it. And, you know, I think there are just so many unique things that we experience. And this was a really beautiful conversation about that very strange time when it's nothingness. And and that's not often the case. Often we are driven by all of these fears and insecurities and doubts. And those are the more familiar, uncomfortable feelings. Um, but something like this can be really challenging because we don't experience it very often in our lives. Mm. Yeah, so true. And sometimes it's um, an experience of excessive pleasure. Um, that's also an amazing ride. But yeah, I'm really glad that we had this conversation and um, I think that uh, whoever is experienced the same thing, they will remember that analogy yeah. of the caterpillar because, yeah, that was that was really meaningful. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It's great to see you again. And we will include all of your links to your Instagram and things like that in our show notes so people can check you out and reach out and share any thoughts that may have come up for them during the show. But thanks, Eric. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in, for sharing space and time with me, for being a part of these conscious conversations that I'm having with people diving into the deep stuff, the difficult stuff, the vulnerable stuff. If you like what I'm about, I would love it if you took a minute to give me a five-star rating, please, (laughs) Um, on whatever your podcast listening um, platform of choice is. Also, if you are interested in these types of conversations, but in a business slash entrepreneurial construct, I would love to have you listen to and join me over at my other podcast, which is newer. Uh, We've been going for about six months now, I think actually. And that podcast is called Conscious Culture, where I talk with other mainly leaders and entrepreneurs and CEOs, but also just general uh, people. I had Theodora Gattin, who is my marketing manager on the show recently. Um, but yeah, we have conversations about the evolving future of work and bringing more consciousness and awareness and vulnerability and our whole selves essentially into the workplace. So check it out. I would love to have you over there. I would love to hear what you think. And until next time, stay curious.